opening our Bibles today to Psalm 27, to the Old Testament songbook. Now, you, we're not surprised as we're studying God's attributes to, to keep going back to the Psalms because, because of who God is, we're, it's worthy of, of you and I praising Him and declaring that and singing about it. And that's what David and, and the sons of Asaph wrote about often was the nature of God, who He is and what He's like. And, and He's worth praising. We have a God worth singing about. And not just because of who he is, but also because of what he's done. And so as we turn to Psalm 27, and, and hopefully you're finding your place there, I want to encourage you just for a moment to, to look here for a moment and answer this question with me. I know Pastor Paul mentioned this earlier. Have you ever heard that idiom, beauty is in the eye of the beholder? You've heard that, right? That is that true? That beauty is in the eye of the beholder. If that is true, that means that different people can have different perceptions of beauty. But according to that line of thinking, there's, there's no general standard of beauty. That's like saying that everyone can have their own truth. We wouldn't believe that's truthful, would we? No, it's not true. No, uh, when you consider uh, what one person may see as physically attractive or uh, alluring or interesting or appealing, someone else may see it and and say, no, that's ugly, that's boring, that's not impressive, or it's uninteresting. Everyone's welcome to have their opinion about what might be attractive, but the Bible's clear that there is a ground for all that is beautiful, and it's God. In fact, God is beautiful regardless of your opinion today, right? In and of himself, God is the most beautiful being there is. You know, the philosophers used to say, beauty is one of the transcendentals. Now, that's not a Marvel character, students, okay? All right. The transcendentals were things that transcended us. It's a Plato's concept in some ways, right? Uh, like goodness, truth, and beauty. That's, by the way, why in our classical education here, we want to inspire students to pursue the things that are true, good, and beautiful. Because the Christian philosophers and theologians, they realize those transcendentals, those things that are beyond us, that are really the ground of all things that are true, good, and beautiful, those things are wrapped up in who God is. They, they are actually who God is in some ways. Because God is truth, amen? We've already discovered that. Is God good? All the time. And all the time, God is good. And in fact, it, it's the same with beauty. What is true in reality is there because God made it. What is good in reality is that which fits its purpose for which it was made. What God designed it for. And that which is beautiful, which is lovely or attractive, is so because God ordained it that way and made it that way and designed it that way. Mankind, what we often do is we want to redefine what is true. We want to redefine what's good for us. We want to define what's beautiful in our eyes, regardless of what God might say about something. You see, even in our culture today, what's true, what's good, what's beautiful, all those things are God's. All truth is God's truth. All goodness is God's goodness. Because where does every good gift come from? The Father, in whom it rains down into your life and my life. And all beauty is God's beauty. In fact, there's another idiom. We often say this, beauty is only skin deep. Why? Because, you know, some things in life appear attractive. Right? They attract us. There's some beauty in them. But it may only be skin deep. 
there may be something in its core that is unattractive, right? And yet, the amazing thing about our God is he doesn't see what's beautiful as man sees what's beautiful. God looks beyond that, that skin depth, right? He sees where? The heart, the core of something, whether it truly is beautiful or not. And we wrestle with this in some ways. You and I being made in the image of God, we were made to see things uh, that are true and good and beautiful. We are made to know the truth, to live the truth. We're, we're made to desire the things that are good and to appreciate those good things that the giver gives us. And to love what is truly beautiful. I know in our culture today, we have so been tarred by sin. Sin has so stained our minds and influenced our culture and our world that we really don't appreciate things that are true, good, and beautiful anymore. And yet the amazing thing is, the most, the truest thing that we need to know, the best thing to experience, the, the goodest thing we could experience, right? The best thing we can experience and the most beautiful thing is the sacrifice of Christ for you and for me. It makes us, it avails us to the goodness of God that he has for us. The good gift that he has, which is forgiveness. It, it is true because Jesus is the only true way to be saved. And it is beautiful when something that is unattractive becomes attractive to someone. And he changes our life. You see, God is beautiful. What do we mean when we say God is beautiful? It means God possesses in his essence Every perfection that is desirable. As we're studying all these attributes, who God is and what he's like. It is showing us, giving us a picture, a, a, a complete picture of just how awesome and beautiful our God is. And here's the amazing thing. His, you can't see him. He's invisible. So how can you say he's beautiful? You haven't seen him. I mean, you've seen a beautiful piece of art, right? You've seen a beautiful sunset, at least if you're here on Sunday night for worship. Amen? You've seen a beautiful sunrise over the ocean. You've seen beautiful things. The beautiful things that we see, God makes them known in creation. In his, I mean, there's beautiful flowers he's woven together. Beautiful creatures that he's created. There's a beauty in all of creation and it's, it's screaming, God. God did this, the beautiful one. In fact, in redemption, how beautiful to know that a wretched sinner like me, like you, we could be redeemed through the precious blood of Christ. He could offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins. And so that we, having nothing beautiful in and of ourselves, could be placed, our identity, in him. And through that precious blood, the Father can see you and me and how beautiful we are to him through that blood. And then in consummation, in and the glorification that's to come. Oh, y'all, you, you're looking forward to that, right? A new heaven and a new earth where there'll be no taint of sin anywhere. No evidence of sin, no, no sorrow, no sickness, no disease, no death, no suffering, no none of that. It will just be beautiful. And there we actually will behold him. We can't see him now. Our God, we can't see him with eyes of flesh. We can see him with eyes of faith, though. Amen. All that God is and all that God has done is beautiful. And the sum of all that thing, that's his beauty, his radiance. Yes, his glory goes out, but it's to be beautiful. And he, because of that, is the ground for all things that are beautiful. Now, David's going to write about this. At least a desire, an, a desire in his heart. It should be your desire and my desire as well. Why do you go to church? Why did you get up this morning and come? 
What, what, what is it that, that motivates us to come to the house of the Lord? Why do we come? It, our, our motives matter. David said there's a reason why he wanted to be in the presence of the Lord. Why he wanted, was attracted to go to worship. And that should be the case for, for you and for me today. And here's why. Because you see, there's so many things in this world that are trying to attract your attention. They're trying to attract you to them. And they are attractive in some way. But may I be honest with you today? There are attractive eyes that will lure you to danger. There are attractive opportunities. You ever had one of them? Well, this is just an attractive opportunity. This looks too good to be true. Ever heard of that one? Attractive opportunities that actually might be more harmful than they might be good. Everything in this world that appears attractive isn't always the case. And we need discernment to know when those things are true and when those things are not true for us. When they are truly beautiful and good for us. Because you know what? The beautiful one can help us to discern what's right, what's truly attractive. And he can give us discernment on those things in life. So David's going to write about this. And as he does, he gives us cause today to look at our hearts and really answer that question. What is my desire? What is, what is attractive for me and being in the house of the Lord in worship? Can I celebrate with David and, and praise God's name as he does here in this psalm about the one being attracted to the one who is infinitely attractive. Because that's how we should see him. And that's how you should see him this morning as well. You stand with me. I'm just going to read a couple verses to get into the text and say my... i got to make every word count today, so pray for me, okay? It's been a hard morning. <clears throat> the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I've desired of the Lord that will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. God, I pray simply that this is our heart's desire today. The reason why we're here, Lord, is we want to see you. We want to behold you. God, we have already learned in the Psalms that you become like the object you worship. And so, God, may we desire to see you as you reveal yourself to us. Not as we think you to be but as you define yourself in your word. God, may we have hearts that want to hear, to inquire and ask and hear what God might say so that our lives might be renewed. Lord, we realize we're, we're unattractive. We, we have sinned and fallen short of your glory. Lord, there's, there's really nothing good that dwells within me. But Father, you, you took thought of us and you sent your son to die for us and you demonstrated that, Lord, you could make us attractive when we're in Christ, we praise you for that today. God, if anyone before me is not in Christ and trusting in his sacrifice, I pray today that you would attract them to you. Woo them to you, Lord, so they'll see how great your love is. We ask this all in Jesus' powerful and precious name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, David is revealing to us as you go all throughout this psalm that his life is in great danger. It's in great danger because there's evildoers that are 
lying about him and they want to kill him. In fact, he says a whole army has been arrayed against him. And we know from the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament, that this was written before he was anointed king, before he actually made it to the throne. And so those are those years where David was running for his life. And, and, and that's aren't, those aren't attractive moments, can we be honest, when someone's chucking a spear at you. All right? When someone wants you dead, those are not attractive things in life. They are pretty ugly experiences in life. But David is not afraid. David is not in fear. David realized he's not helpless. He's not hopeless because he knows God is his light. God is his salvation. God is his strength. One of the things that should attract you and me to God is the fact that God is the one that will protect us from all the fears there are in life. All the enemies that are out there, you say, well, there's not an army against me today. I need you to open your eyes and realize there's a devil and his old demonic horde that want nothing more than to destroy you and me, to destroy our families, our relationships, with our spouses, with our children. Our spouses, our children are not the devil, the enemy. Now, sometimes you might think about the kids, but hold on. All right? They're not. The devil is the enemy. And he wants to destroy. And so there is an enemy that wants to destroy you. In fact, he's prowling about like a lion right now. But David says, listen, I'm not going to be afraid. God is my light. In dark moments, God illumines the situation for me. He helps me to understand what's going on. God is my salvation, the one who delivers me. Now, David had experienced that time again when he was taking care of sheep out in the field. I mean, he done killed a bear. He done killed a lion, right? With bare fists, fighting. But God was the one who gave him deliverance. That's why he wasn't afraid when he faced a giant. He knew God was able to deliver him. That, that should draw us to God. To realize the beauty of redemption. To realize the beauty of revelation that can illumine our life. Because, beloved, sometimes we're just living in darkness. And we need that light to illumine our lives. And in fact, when you feel weak and helpless and hopeless, David says, no, God is my strength. I am confident of this. That God will sustain me. God will deliver me. God will defend me. Can I just ask a question? You know what's beautiful about our God? Who is stronger and more mightier than our God? No one. Our God is omnipotent. Sometimes, you know what, our faith, we think he's impotent. Our God is omnipotent. There's no one greater than our God. By the way, who's on his throne this morning? Our God. He's sovereign. We've already learned that. He's the king who reigns and rules. And by the way, no one's going no to kick him off that throne. Remember, the devil thought he could do that. God said, I don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime. And he punted him out of heaven. Our God reigns, our God rules, our God has all the power, our God is working his plan. The all-wise God, he's working his plan according to his plans and his purposes. And beloved, the good news is it's good and glorious for us. Why wouldn't I be attracted to run under his shelter, to run to his tabernacle, to run under his pavilion and find my security there? And yet that's not always what we're attracted to do, is it? That's not always what we do. We'll run to other places to find deliverance rather than running to him. And yet what's fascinating is that when you and I are in danger, the best thing we can do is draw near to God. In fact, you know what happens when we draw near to God, according to James? The devil has to flee. 
You think the devil wants to be in God's presence? He's already made that decision in his life, right? He doesn't want to be near God. When you and I draw near to God, the devil's got no choice. I need to get out of town. Got to get out of Dodge now. This is why we are attracted. I want to run to him. I want to run to one who can protect me. I want to run to one who can watch over me. I want to run to the one whose arms shield me and secure me. I want to be in his presence. Amen? He's attracted to me. In fact, the greatest danger that faces us isn't outside of us. It's actually inside of us. It's called sin. And that danger, God has done something to protect you and me from that. He sent his son to shed his blood to deliver us from that. And then, listen, to sanctify us and cleanse us so that that sin doesn't reign and rule in our life any longer. That what once ruled over us now no longer has to rule over us. Praise the Lord. We're attracted. We should be attracted to that. I come to worship day because I realize the one who's protecting me. The God who is giving light to protect me from other darkness in my life. That's why David elsewhere would say, illumine my darkness, right? Because he realized I need the light of the Lord every day. I need his deliverance each and every day. Now he's attracted to him. Notice in this circumstance, he's going to repeat this over and over again about his enemies. He's going to repeat over and over again the threat to his life. And he realizes, there's one desire of my heart in the midst of this. One thing I want more than anything in life, and that is to be in his presence. We should be attracted to God's presence for who he is. Notice this, one thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And why would we dwell there? To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now what's fascinating to me, I just was reflecting on this all week and, and just thinking and about David. He was, a, he was appointed to be a king. He wasn't a Judah of Levite. He was a tribe of Judah. So he, he didn't know what it meant to, to, to actually be there in the tabernacle. Remember the temple hasn't been built. His son Solomon builds the temple. But, but, but to be at the tabernacle and, and to think, of course he had probably had gone up to worship at the tabernacle. He, he had gone and gotten some showbread, remember, when he was hungry, running for his life and he needed some food. That was for the priests and he had to ask for that and they gave it to him. Uh, but, but David couldn't actually see the Lord there. Can anyone see the Lord? I mean, all that was there was a Shekinah glory, right? And the high priest, he, he got to go in one day of the year, but... but if you went up to worship, you couldn't actually see the Lord. And, and you know, what David said attracts him is, this is what attracts me to you. I want to be there to see and behold your beauty. The beauty of who you are and to inquire of you because you're a God that answers prayer. You speak to us. You have a word for your people. David says, I, that's what attracts me. I want to be there. I desire, this is what I will seek. Now, what's fascinating to me when I stop and think about that is, is when we come, what is the whole purpose of the temple or the tabernacle? That, that was the means by which God made it possible for sinful man to approach a holy God. Because sinful man can't dwell in the presence of God. Right? He'll die. So there had to be some provision that God would make. And, and even when you approach God, you can only go so far. Ladies, if you went to worship, you could only go so far. And, because then there was the court of the... Uh, well, if you were a Gentile, you could only go so far. And then the, the, if you were a Jew, you could go a little bit further. But then the ladies could only go so far because then there was the court for the men. And then there was, you couldn't go any further unless you were the tribe of Levi. So then you were a priest, you could go a little bit closer to God. And, and then you, 
You couldn't go all the way to the presence of God unless you were the high priest. And then you could only go one day of the year. And that was if you had the sacrifice and you were covered with the, the prayers of the saints before you went in with the censer, right? And then they tied a rope to you to yank you out just in case something happened. It's a serious thing to come into the presence of a holy God. And yet David says, I want to go. I want to get as close as I can get. I want to see his beauty. But what was the beauty he could see? Well, you know, it's fascinating. I write in the margin of a Bible right here, 29.2. And it's Psalm 29.2. So you can just flip over a page probably. You'll find Psalm 29.2. Listen, this is a song. Do you realize David, when he went to get the ark that was with the Philistines and bring it back, right? He went to bring the ark back. And what happened when he came back? Man, singing, dancing, praising the Lord. Amen. The ark is back. Our God, mighty God. And, and how he distinguished himself, his wife said, right? Man, he was praising. He was having a, a hissy fit. Woo! Praising the Lord. A spell, some would say, right? He was getting, he is excited. We should be too. Here's the amazing thing. He wrote this song. You can read it over in 1 Chronicles or you can read it here in Psalm 29. But what's fascinating is notice what he says in Psalm, 20, or in Psalm 29 verses 1 and 2. Give to the Lord, you mighty ones. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of what? His holiness. You see, this is what is so beautiful about our God is he is holy. He is, listen, two ideas here between holy. He is holy other, there's none like him. And he is wholly pure. He's wholly other. There's no God like our God. And he is wholly pure. And we're not. But he can cleanse us. Amen. You see, what he attracts him to his beauty. And think about this. You go. You're a sinner. You're going up to worship. You realize he's holy. I'm not. By the way, i got to bring a sacrifice when I come. And that blood of that goat, that blood, or that bull, or that... The blood of that sheep, it only covers temporarily. But without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. But how can I approach a holy God? i got to come with a sacrifice. Praise God. Be able to come into his presence. And in fact, he, he wants us to come to him. And now we realize even more of the story, amen? Because the lamb that would take away the sin of the world has come. And through him, through his flesh through his the veil of his flesh we can enter into the presence of a holy god and be attracted and you stop and you think wretched man what i mean not just what what is man that you take thought of him but oh wretched man that i am who can save me who can who cares about me the god who made you does and he loved you and i so much he sent his son to die for us david says i this is one thing about me I am attracted. I want to see the beauty of the Lord. And I want to inquire in his temple. Why do I need to hear God speak? Why do you need to hear God speak? Why do I need to ask of him? Because you know what? When I navigate life, I don't always navigate life. When I navigate it by what I think and what I think is right, right and wrong, that doesn't always work well for me. Will you be honest this morning? Say amen. Yeah, it doesn't. I need the creator who made me to give me direction in life so that I can do what is true. I can appreciate what is good. I can appreciate what is really beautiful in life. And he's the one that makes that possible. Where am I going to, man, I'm just scratching my head wondering, where am I going to hear him speak? When I come to hear him speak, I can't see him, but I can see him with eyes of faith. 
Where can I see him with eyes of? Is there anywhere that I can look in a mirror somewhere and see him and, and know what I see? Hello? This book, God speaks. We inquire of him, and if you want to hear what he has to say, he'll speak. By the way, if you want to hear it audibly, just read it out loud. Okay? He'll speak to you. That's why we need a healthy diet of his word. God, speak to me. I, I need this. This word gives me life. Uh, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I need to hear you speak. God, I've got to inquire. There's some, some confusion in my life. There's a situation, and it doesn't look good. It looks dicey right now. God, I'm in the dark. I need some illumination. I need some light. Speak to me. Speak to me. Speak to me. And the amazing thing is, it's God who is life and light. He speaks. And the amazing thing, the reason I want to come, man, I'm going to be like the object I worship. Here's the amazing thing. David says, I just want to be there. I want to be in his presence. I want to behold his beauty, the beauty of his holiness. I want to be, inquire what he has to say to me. Why? Because in times of trouble, this I know, he shall hide me in his pavilion. And in the secret places of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And, and now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around. Therefore, I'll offer the sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle and sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. I mean, you come to his presence and you realize, here, listen, in times of difficulty, my God will deliver me. He's got a great track record of it. Amen. Not just in my life, but this is what this whole book tells me. He's a mighty deliverer. And here's the other amazing thing. When it says my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around. You know what that means? We ain't losers. We have victory in him. He's assured us of victory. Not because of you, not because of me, but because of what his son has done for us. We're not walking around with our heads hung low. Woe is me, I ain't got no hope in life. Woe. That's not how a believer walks. We know the one who's achieved the victory for us and our eyes are fixed on him. We know our God will help us. We know our God will deliver us. We know that he will give us victory and we should live like that. Why? Because our God is beautiful. And he reigns and he rules and he's holy other and he's, there's none like him. Now see, if you come to church and your desire to be here is just to see people. Beloved, I can tell you we ain't always attractive. Can we be honest? We come in this sanctuary to behold him, the beautiful one. This is what we're here to worship, is him. Why? Because of who he is. Because of what he's able to do. Because we need him. We're attracted. We should be attracted to that. If you're not attracted to him, the most beautiful one, you're going to be attracted to some other thing out there that you might think is beautiful for a moment. But love, it's only skin deep. It's not going to last. His beauty goes to the core. Through and through. David says, I'm not just attracted to that. I'm attracted to the promises that he has. Notice what he says. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Don't hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will 
take care of me. You see, God, when he speaks to you and speaks to me, he's going to tell you, seek me, seek my face. But you can't see his face. I see your face this morning. You see my face this morning. But where do you see God's face? We can't see his face. He dwells in unapproachable light. How am I going to seek his face? I mean, you want the face of God smiling upon you. That's what the, the priest would say the prayer. May the, the face of God smile upon you, right? That's what the, that, was the, that was the blessing of the priests upon the people. We wanted God's face to smile upon his people. When God says, seek my face, listen, beloved, you cannot gather into worship and be attracted to him and not look at him and listen to him speak into your life and turn away an ear and just not listen. I'm not going to listen. No, you have to listen to what he's going to say. He's going to speak to you. He will do that right here in this word. It's an amazing thing. This word is living and sharper than a two-edged sword. Man, it will flat cut you. It will. Mm. Sometimes I'm like, ouch, that hurts. It, it, why does God do that? Listen, beloved, he's not taking a... Listen, it's not like it's a, a great big sword so he can just cut you in half and hack you up. No. It's a scalpel. And what he does is he carefully, like the physician's hand... He carefully just cuts away. we got to cut this sin out right here. And by the way, I'm going to put my salve on it as I do that. That's what he wants. So we come with hearts to say, you said to seek you, I'm going to seek you. The amazing thing I found in scripture, if you seek him with all your heart, guess what will happen? You'll find him. You'll find him. And you know what you'll find? God keeps his word. He keeps his promises. God, you know what? When I called out, have mercy on me. Answer me. You said seek. I sought you. Don't hide your face from me. Don't, don't, don't forsake me like my mom or my dad. It's not that David's mom and dad forsook him. But he's saying in, in terms of human relationships with people, you know, people don't always follow through. Amen? Forgive me if I've never fallen through. I'm not perfect, so please don't put me on a pedestal. All right? I stumble and fall short of glory too. But you know what? Who will never fail you or fail me? Him. He'll never forsake us as his children. He's always faithful to his word. Man, he keeps his promises. They're yea and amen, especially in Jesus now for you believers. Man, we, we can rest and that should attract us to him. If anybody's going to keep his word, my God will. And we should be attracted to that. And so David, just teach me, Lord, show me and lead me in that smooth path because of my enemies. Don't deliver me over to their hands. False witnesses have risen against me and they, they breathe out violence. God, don't deliver me in their hands. I'm trusting you to keep your word, to keep your promises, Lord. I'm, I'm taking you to the bank. I'm taking the word to the bank. I'm choosing to believe, God, when trouble comes my way, you will be faithful. You will hide me. I can worship you. I can seek you and trust in you and know you will be faithful. Man, I want to come running back to him again. And this is an amazing thing. So oftentimes when we are unattractive in our sin, we think he doesn't want us, right? No, come. He's wooing us. Come, 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 come. Please experience repentance and renewal with me. And then finally, it's because of those promises that he has for us. It's also because of the power to make those promises come, become real for us. You see... Notice what he says. David says, says in verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Yes, wait, I say, on the Lord. Why is David so confident? Why is he so drawn to the Lord? Why does he want to be in his presence? Why do I desire to be in the house of my Lord? Because of who he is, what he's able to do. And God has the power to accomplish everything that he promises. And he will sustain us when we call on him. He will strengthen us when we feel weak. He will preserve us. Our hope rests in him. God has given us a living hope. One day, beloved, we're going to dwell in the land of the living. We're going to see the goodness of the Lord. Our journey is a journey of faith. We're walking by faith right now. One day we're going to cross over the river into the promised land. The heavens that God has prepared for us. And one day we're going to behold him as he is. Man, that is attractive to me. That my God has the power to get me from here to there one day. And I have a hope. Do you have that hope this morning? Amen. You know, sometimes when, you, when you're going through those trials and you feel like an army's arrayed against you, how are we going to win? You ever look at the culture today and go, how are we going to win? Oh my goodness. Beloved, we're not living for this world. I'm living for the one to come. What I have to do right now is wait on the Lord. I have to be of good courage. I have to be encouraged by what God says. I have to be encouraged by who God is. I have to be encouraged about what he is able to do. He will strengthen my heart so I can wait on him and be patient. And know he's got it. God sustain us. God strengthen us. We wait on you. You're at work. Even when it looks dire around you this morning. Why did you come to worship today? Why do you come to God's house? Do you, do, you, do you see the beautiful one? Are you attracted to the one who is infinitely attractive? Hey, listen, the only way you know that is not because of what you think about him. It's what he says about himself in his word. That's what's critical. Our, our imaginations, our minds trying to define who God is, sometimes he ain't attractive when we define him. But when I look in his word, beloved, he is wooing us to himself. And the things of this world that try to get your, to attract you and attract me and, and draw our attention to, oh, come, pleasure, desire, pursue me, pursue this, pursue this. Those things, that's not of God. The love of the world is not the love of the Father, Right? what John would tell us in 1 John chapter 2. But what I discovered is he is desirable this morning because of who he is and what he's done. And my desire is just to be near him because I know that the nearness of my God is my good. And when you're standing in his presence, you stand in amazement. Who is like our God? Behold our God seated on a throne. Come, let's worship. Let's praise him. You see, when you stand in awe like that, here's what you realize. God is bigger than you. The reason we don't stand in awe is because we've defined him and we're bigger than him. And we need to repent of that. And we need a grander vision of just how awesome and attractive he is. And that's my prayer that God's word is spoken to you today.